PM board bombs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where board studying continues to be enjoyable. Really need to change that intro to board and life setting. More and more, we're just preparing you for life skills as well as board pearls. Today, thankfully, I get to do my own proper introduction. I'm Blake Briggs. Thanks for joining us. For each 15 minute episode, you can gain high yield board knowledge. As we like to say, come for the stems but stay for the content. We're on Twitter and Instagram, taking over the world, at EM Board Bombs. It's just another Sunday for us. And we like to plug our premium podcast, EM Rabbit Bombs. If you enjoy EM Board Bombs, but want a TikTok version of our podcast, that's what our Rapid Bombs podcast is. If you also like YouTube shorts instead of TikTok videos, then that's fine. Same thing. Premium podcast, EM Rapid Bombs. Don't waste your time studying for boards. Do both at the same time, studying for clinical practice and boards. We have over 200 podcast episodes on EM Rapid Bombs now. Each episode is just two to four minutes, where we drop high-yield bombs in question-answer format, so it gets seared into your memory. On average, we drop usually about three to four episodes a week, so you get a new podcast delivered very, very often. So don't waste your time studying just for the test with traditional question banks. Optimize your time. By listening to our board pearls that will help you with the test, but more importantly, with life. Because we all know boards suck and life is more important. You can sign up for EM Rapid Bombs on emrapidbombs.supercast.com. You can look at the show notes of this podcast as well. Click on the link. And finally, you can just go to our main website, emboardbombs.com. And there's plenty of banners and announcements that will direct you. Remember, we have our trial, the titrate up plan, where you get 24 hours free of the rapid bombs. Check it out, see if it's for you. So, Iltafat will not be joining us today. You probably guessed that by the fact that he didn't make a joke about introducing me like he normally does. He is actually meeting with an architect today to add a, quote, room of requirement to his house. I'm not sure how that will fit, but he ensures me that it only appears when someone is in very great need of it and contains what he would need at the time. Interesting. I'm going to let that simmer for a minute so I can process it. So a 73-year-old male presents to the ED from home with a change in mental status. EMS states that the son came home to find the father hadn't showered in days and was acutely confused. He appeared agitated and had a tremor as well. His son states the father takes something for his bipolar disorder. When you ask the patient what he takes, the man states, I had to take all the pills in order to beat this wordle. I needed all the brain power yesterday. His son interjects and says that the word you start with on Wordle really defines who you are. He is a taxic and nauseous, vomiting several times en route with EMS. Which is the best next step of management? Choice A, arrange lipid emulsion therapy. Choice B, start IV fluids. Choice C, whole bowel irrigation. Choice D, obtain EKG. Correct answer here is going to be choice B, start IV fluids. Seems like the most benign thing to do here, right? That's probably why a lot of you picked it. But I'm sure some of you picked EKG too. So introduction here. Lithium 
is what we're talking about today, lithium poisoning. Now, I know this is a popular board subject, and that's why I'm covering it. And it stinks because it's not that exciting. It's not really a sexy topic, but we're going to get through it. So lithium has been around since 1800s. It's the gold standard for treatment of bipolar since the 1970s, as well as other conditions like acute mania and unipolar depression. It has a narrow therapeutic index. Remember from medical school, its numerous side effects are well described, and it has classic vignette overdoses, kind of like this one today, especially the Wordle, right? <laughs> sure, on your IT or board exam, they're going to mention Wordle. Toxicities can occur from an acute ingestion and also acute on chronic or just a slow chronic smoldering ingestion. So any EM physician worth their salt must be ready to treat it. Now, if Iltafat were here, he would laugh at that joke because that's a very clever, ingenious, innovative joke. Salt. We're talking about lithium. So, you know, it's just... Anyway, the exact mechanism of action of lithium is unknown. You will never be tested on it. And it's, frankly, there's so many more interesting things in this world to talk about. And let's just move on because I don't want to talk about that anymore. Lithium gets rapidly absorbed in the GI tract and its excretion is through the kidneys. This is where it's really important here. A patient's renal function determines the elimination half-life, which is normally around 24 hours. But of course, that can change with age and as renal function declines. You know, I'm reminded of this being just like digoxin, right? This is that classic drug, narrow therapeutic index, and all you have to do is just off-kilter the therapeutic index a little bit, and you're in deep trouble. And this is just like digoxin. We'll get here why they're really similar in terms of the danger of prescribing this drug to certain patients and the risk of when renal function declines or volume status changes, these drugs can really cause some problems. So lithium is neither metabolized nor protein bound, which makes it has a bioavailability like 100%. It goes everywhere in the body. And its therapeutic serum levels range between 0.8 to 1.2 milliequivalents per liter. But most people in levels should never exceed 1.2. So lithium levels are also affected by salt and water balance. This occurs because of the similarities between lithium and sodium. So what factors can lead to increased lithium absorption? Well, anything that causes sodium and volume depletion. And like we said earlier, conditions like vomiting, diarrhea, febrile illness, renal insufficiency, excessive exercise, water restriction, too much sweating, low sodium diet, congestive heart failure. Well, those can all enhance lithium reabsorption in the kidneys. It's handled just like sodium. So let's talk about some presentations here. Lithium poisoning occurs in a vulnerable population, like those with mental illness, those with poor living conditions, and the elderly. It can be really a dangerous drug. It causes a battery of adverse effects. There's another pun, battery, get it, lithium, that aren't necessarily associated with toxicity. So big pearl here. Lithium levels do not always correlate with clinical symptoms. Serum lithium levels reflect only extracellular lithium concentration but it's the intracellular concentration where lithium exerts its effect. Really important here. This is just like digoxin, where you get a digoxin level, and it might help you, it might not, but you treat the patient. It's the most important thing here. So as we go through these clinical symptoms, just remember that even if they have a normal or innocuous-looking lithium level, it is really important here. You don't dismiss lithium overdose as an issue in a lot of these patients. Very narrow therapeutic index. So the diagnosis of lithium toxicity is clinical. It can be confirmed with serum lithium levels, but you need to treat the patient. Toxicity can lead to multi-system dysfunction that's potentially fatal. When the patient arrives to the ED, you want to get serum lithium concentrations and repeat them every two to four hours to watch for any changes. Lithium levels of 1.5 can cause mild toxicity. That's only like 
like decimal points above the regular range, right? So you can clearly see that this is a <laughs> an area where just a small tweak can cause some devastating consequences. Levels greater than 2.5 are a medical emergency. So you can confirm toxicity based on the lithium serum concentration, but remember, a single normal lithium concentration does not rule out lithium toxicity. Really important here. So the clinical signs and symptoms of toxicity can vary depending on the type of poisoning. Again, this is where we break it down into three different groups, chronic, acute, and acute on chronic. Chronic overdoses are accidental, very commonly seen in elderly patients. Acute overdoses, well, you guessed it, are often attempted suicide. And then acute on chronic overdoses is usually a patient on chronic therapy, but some type of super therapeutic ingestion or an alteration in its excretion. So chronic lithium poisoning is the most common cause of toxicity of lithium. Let's keep that in mind. We all like to think that overdoses and toxicities of these drugs is due to suicide attempts. Well, not true. Chronic lithium toxicity is the most common cause of toxicity, again, due to accidental ingestion, decreased excretion. In chronic lithium toxicity, neurologic signs and symptoms dominate. They're usually evident on presentation as they had time to develop gradually. You're going to see tremor, sluggishness, ataxia, confusion, agitation, neuromuscular excitability, all that jazz. So polyuria and polydipsia can be seen in patients on chronic lithium therapy, and this is due to the risk of development of nephrogenic and central diabetes insipidus. Chronic therapy also leads to thyroid dysfunction, hypothyroidism. You're probably sitting there wondering, oh my God, what did I just get myself into? This is an emergency medicine podcast, and you are talking about things that I haven't heard <laughs> in a long time since like step one. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Uh, don't worry, you're not going to diagnose diabetes insipidus in the ED. Just know that chronic therapy on lithium and chronic overdose is going to lead to a lot of those changes that you learn about medical school that are endocrine-related, thyroid issues, diabetes insipidus. These are things to look out for. So let's talk about acute lithium toxicity. So the patient history and recent illnesses are important to ask about. The clinical presentation is normally gastrointestinal signs and symptoms in acute toxicity. So gastrointestinal signs would include like, you know, nausea and vomiting, abdominal pain, diarrhea. These types of toxicity are usually due to an overdose or decline in renal function. Again, similar to digoxin in this case. Vomiting and diarrhea can cause a really bad cycle of worsening dehydration, bad renal function, and then of course you can't excrete lithium. You know, unlike chronic toxicity, neurologic changes are rare on the initial presentation in acute lithium toxicity. They take time to develop. So the neurologic signs and symptoms are the same ones we talked about for chronic. And just to remind you what they are, they're going to be very kind of strange, abstract, encephalopathic signs. Tremor, sluggishness, ataxia, confusion, agitation. And if the severity worsens for both chronic and acute lithium poisoning, you're going to get really scary things that occur, like seizures, status, encephalopathy, coma, that kind of jazz. With treatment, though, the resolution of neurologic problems could take days to recover to weeks to recover. Sometimes they may not fully resolve, which is frightening. So let's talk about the management. This is pretty much the meat of what you need to know for the boards. And I've seen a lot of questions related to this. As always, you know, ABC's first, of course, for any poison patient, any drug that impairs kidney function should be you know, ceased, taken out, that kind of jazz. I feel like I'm nephrology rounding my patients. Uh, they always use this template note wherever <laughs> wherever I trained, and they had this template, and it was always the same no matter what. It was like, stop giving nephrotoxic drugs. 
It was like every service would be like, yeah, we, we know. We can't really avoid a lot of them. Sorry. So, of course, you will need the ordering of usual toxicologic panels in an EKG. That was choice D. And we'll get to why that was wrong for a second here. Since toxicity can occur with therapeutic lithium levels, treatment should not only be based on you know, lithium concentration, but also the signs and symptoms as we talked about. So here's the correct answer, IV fluids. You want to start those early, start those aggressively if you suspect lithium toxicity. They're initiated at twice the maintenance rate for like two to three liters. And you want to do that to replace GI losses from vomiting diarrhea, also to help maintain GFR for the patient. And it's really essential here that you want crystalloid hydration to enhance lithium clearance. This is really critical. I know it sounds hokey, like I'm giving IV fluids, whatever, but this is really important. Especially in patients with diabetes insipidus, you want to watch closely their labs, repeat their you know, chemistry panels every two hours or so, and keep a close eye on these patients as you rehydrate them. Now, remember that activated charcoal does not help. And whole bowel irrigation, which you know, you're thinking polyethylene glycol solution, and you can use those in awake asymptomatic patients presenting within three hours of ingestion. This really gets into the weeds of lithium management. This is a rare, uncommon scenario where patients would present with large extended release preparations, like 10 to 15 tablets, something insane, and somehow they present within three hours. We all know that this is not that common, and this is a select group of patients. Most commonly, patients present to the ED greater than three hours after ingestion with symptoms, so you're not going to be able to use this technique, but I just have to mention it because it's not like a, you know, heck to the no, don't ever use it sort of thing. It's important to consult nephrology early, and this gets into really the last part of the management section. Patients will likely need hemodialysis if they have a severe enough overdose. So hemodialysis performed in the following. You don't have to memorize this, and I would say you don't have to memorize this, even if you're wanting to, because it, it seems like common sense. So if you have lithium levels above 4.5, no matter the patient clinical status, okay, that is something, unfortunately, you just kind of have to know or look up. For serum lithium concentrations above 2.5 with signs of lithium toxicity, well, we just said that any level above 2.5 is considered severe. That's not much leeway, right? Because we said like up to 1.2 was like a normal range of a lithium level. And so if you're at 2.5, it's not going to take much. Any renal insufficiency. This is big and this is common. Probably the most common reason patients will be considered for dialysis. of creatinine greater than 2 as a low cutoff, my friends. Low cutoff. And then finally, any condition limiting lithium excretion or conditions where you limit aggressive IV fluid hydration. So you can make a case for a lot of patients with CHF. You can make a case with you know elderly patients or people that are fragile where you don't want to volume overload them. So keep that in mind. Let's go over these one more time. Indications for hemodialysis. The two out of the four are really straightforward. One, any renal insufficiency of creatinine greater than two, piece of cake. And then any condition limiting renal excretion, like heart failure, that sort of thing. The other two are a little bit more thinking, but you can always just look these up on shift if you see it. Any lithium concentration above 2.5 with signs of toxicity, and then any lithium level above 4.5 no matter what. Just straight up. Let's talk about the answer choices. So I gave you four choices here. Choice A would start lipid emulsion therapy. No idea what that has to do with this. <laughs> I just picked something random, and I was hoping that some people would fall for it. The classic, I don't know what the answer is, so let me pick it which is always a bad move. <laughs> so that has nothing to do with lithium toxicity. Choice B, of course, was start IV fluids. We talked about why that was. Choice C was whole bout irrigation. You know, we mentioned whole bout irrigation, but 
doesn't really have anything to do with the stem. This wasn't an intentional overdose. This patient didn't take 10 to 15 tablets. You know, the toxicity here clearly took place about a few days ago, right? So it hasn't been like within three hours, so whole irrigation is not going to help you. Remember, you can't do activated charcoal for these patients, just as a reminder. And finally, choice D was obtained EKG. I'm sure a lot of you picked that as part of your quote-unquote tox workup, or hey, let's go in the order of doing EKG as part of my tox workup. Now, the EKG is not really going to show anything major for lithium overdose. Yes, lithium overdose can cause dysrhythmias and arrhythmias. I didn't mention that really because it's not that common. It's quite rare, and you're not really going to be tested on that. So in this case, the most aggressive thing to do in a patient who is clearly encephalopathic has neurologic changes, is to assume that they have probably overdosed on their lithium in this case, and you want to be aggressive. You want to start IV fluids as aggressive as possible early on as you wait for your lithium eye level and go from there. You can always get an EKG later, and you know while the patient's getting IV fluids, EKG can certainly be done, but don't let this delay the important treatment. Remember to always call poison control. I'd be remiss. And I'd like to give a special shout-out to Alicia Hereford, who's a MS4 at University of South Alabama Medical School. She actually wrote the main study guide for lithium toxicity, did a fantastic job. She's going into emergency medicine. We wish her the best of luck. And we want to thank her for her assistance with EM Bohr Bombs review handouts. All of our handouts go through peer review division where it's corrected, molded into a perfect, amazing study guide. And so thanks a lot to her. Most of the information I'm giving you is from that handout. So you can check it out on the website for further details or if you are more of a visual learner than an auditory learner. Remember our EM Board Bombs Premium Podcast trial plan, titrate up, check it out, sign up for it. You're not going to lose anything signing up for it. It is completely free for 24 hours. Check it out and hopefully we'll talk. We'll be back next time. That is all I got for you. Feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. It always is an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to EM Board Bombs. See you next time. Thank you.